Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Interloop Radio. I'm Rachel Koontz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all of our loyal listeners out there, don't forget to leave us a review telling the world how much you love us. And for all our new listeners out there, here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, what makes a great ghost story, or how to construct the perfect sonnet. Or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty work document. <laughs> we play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series, and we invite a few of those writers to join our discussion. On today's show, in light of the upcoming holiday season, we'd like to talk about home. How do you convey home in writing? Whether it acts as setting, or as its own character, or as a driving force for the protagonist, the idea of home can be a powerful tool in writing. Definitely. And not only that, home can mean many things. It doesn't have to be a place. It can be a person, a pet, an object, or a song. Or even just a feeling. Or it could be all of those things combined. Indeed. Yep. So what are some ways we can convey home in writing? (laughs) Go. (laughs) Go. I looked at Courtney very demandingly. What are some ways? I was like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, um, Wow. Well, um... You know, I think a good place, place, pun there, <laughs> a good place, there's no place like home. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll stop, keep I'll coming, stop, keep I'll stop. <laughs> I think a good place to start if you're, um, if you're, you know, kind of ruminating on it is actually with a physical space. Totally. You know, what, or an object. Right, sure, sure. What yeah. is something that, that represents home to you and take a good stare at that or smell of it Mm. or listen to it um yeah like go to a place close your eyes maybe let your five senses all kick in what's happening what do you hear what do you smell what do you feel is it hot is it cold goosebumps (laughs) um i think uh sound also yeah you were saying what do you hear that's it's funny because sound is one of those underrated senses in writing that you you know is neglected but can be really powerful absolutely it's hard to do i think that's maybe Mm. why it's it's uh neglected as it were um yeah because if you're not reading aloud your piece Mm -hmm. you don't know that the reader is necessarily hearing it in the way that you intend right so if you're trying to say oh the dog's feet click clack and you have to be uh, so speaking of click clack you have to be really well versed in onomatopoeia exactly that's (laughs) what i'm saying like click clack isn't the correct one for like dog toes it's more like yeah it's like but like how do you how do you write like what um yeah but i think too a horse by the way is clop clop right all right all right clickety clop cloppity clop all right okay 
<laughs> I'm just saying the art of onomatopoeia is, is an important art to develop as a writer. I agree. I, maybe I need to practice some more. But also, you know, another well-neglected sense is taste. We can all learn from Proust and the, <laughs> and the Madeline. You just said that. I did. <laughs> Listen, I okay. love... Proust. Listen, and everyone, we can all take a page. We can all out take a page. Out of... <laughs> Sorry. Courtney got so excited she popped her pee. All of them. <laughs> but really, it's like interesting what he does like with taste because taste is one that you really don't think about, but it can be so evocative. Well, and we think about um, the fucking. <laughs> No, what's the poem? The poem, not the peach. The yeah, the peach. No, in the freezer and the the blackberries. What the hell are you talking come on, about? Come on, I'm sorry, I ate the last one. I have no it's like idea. the most famous poem in the world. It's the most famous poem in the world. It is. He's like, you left them in the freezer and they ate them. They were so sweet no, and juicy. The most famous poem in the world is Roses Are Red. Violet That's not a poem. That's, That's a not. poem. No, it's not. It's not a what? good poem. Somebody help me out here. I'm feeling Somebody, so can, can we get a call in? <laughs> can I phone a friend? Anyway, no, because it does have that... Um, I think what's cool about taste is that it engages multiple senses, right? Because you're also yeah. feeling a texture and smelling, smelling, and often there's a sound that accompanies, you know, the bite or the bite into something juicy or mm. crunchy or crispy. So there's a lot that's stimulating there. And I think that's why people write about food a lot, because you mm. can be evocative. Totally. Um, and it's a good way to get into something. I think with home, though, a lot of the time we... Um, we get nostalgic, yeah, which can be useful. It can be, yeah, inspiring and right. But I do think that that also can be distracting from from home across the ages. Like, what is it that is that is really home for you that you carry with you all the time? That's mm. what I have a hard time um, trying to keep in mind. Like, what does home mean to you as a person? Like, right. what is it about home that feels like home? Yeah, like, like what the are the essence? essential elements? Exactly. Yeah. Like if okay. I had to, if, if there weren't four walls or a place, you know, mm. what are, what is, what does feeling home mean? And right now you guys can't see me, but I'm like cupping She's clutching the air. Or, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like ball of warmth in She's my hand. massaging hands. it. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think that um, you might, one might surprise themselves on what comes up for right. what home means because we might have an idea in our mind of what we think home is um, on, on the surface but if you really stop and think about what has what is it that makes you feel comfortable mm -hmm. what is it that like is like ground zero like when you can just settle and just not be sort of like the zen place or the you know Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, it's not like, or maybe it is activity, but it's just something that just is home base. Right. And I just kind of keep saying home and sure, it's going to mean it's different gonna, It's going <laughs> to change. No, and it can obviously be a space, you know, like you can cultivate a, a space that, that you carry with you even when you're not in it. You know, you can imagine the mm. sense of a place and, and calm yourself in that way if that's what you're looking for with a sense of home. I think a lot of people do you're in those moments and you're like okay what is my safe place and safe place is often um 
contiguous is that the right word i don't know with (laughs) with (laughs) home (laughs) um so what about home as a character i feel like a lot of famous writers like use place as character like faulkner totally the south is like its own character like what they what he uses as place and setting becomes a character of its own how do we what's a good way to like use home as character without being cliche it's so easy to like stumble into cliche when we're talking about home right sure if you're not like you know you got to take the time to approach it authentically or it can just kind of fall flat well i think the 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 most important element is to bring your experience of that place to it not to try to imbibe other people's imbibe jesus christ imbue imbue it with other people's perspective so right so we have an idea Mm. like I'm not from the south so if I tried to write about the south even in a fiction piece or something I wouldn't feel I could do it in a genuine way unless I went and spent some significant time there and really felt what it was Mm -hmm. Um, because I could very easily just say oh and everyone had the sweet accent and the air smelled of jasmine and (laughs) there was sweet tea brewing and blah 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 and that's all just bullshit because like (laughs) I don't have that experience right Um, so I think you you hit the nail on the head I think authenticity is one of the the biggest things you need to look Mm -hmm. out for and to just make sure that the details are your details Mm -hmm. or whoever your character you know if you're writing fiction like whomever the the character who is viewing home or or explaining or showing home it's from within them Mm -hmm. yeah there it is (laughs) there you go that's all you guys need to know episode's done we're all done here let's back it up genius words from Courtney (laughs) who wants to give me a teaching position (laughs) Come on now. <laughs> wow. Okay. So later in the show, uh, we welcome two of the very most specialist guests. I am so excited <laughs> to have them on the show. But before that, we will hear some examples of how writers convey home in their writing. discussing the idea of home so let's listen to how a few of our writers convey home in their writing first we'll hear a more traditional idea of home the cabbage boiling smells like sweet hollow gas it crawls across surfaces on the balcony her grandmother sits in a blue sweater facing the flowers the poppies the lilies the tulips the daisies the lilacs the sunflower single obstinate gripping the railing and the roses stretching to the sun years from now after her grandmother's funeral she will attempt to repot a few of them as a favor to her mother and they will bend into the soil like worshipers and let their petals drop She waits by the table and clicks her phone on. There are no new emails. She opens old ones. We're so glad you'll be joining our staff, one reads. Unfortunately, we can't give you your salary until you let us know your start date, so please let us know when that will be as soon as possible. We so look forward to your arrival. 
The pot burps. Baba, she says. Her grandmother is silent in the flowers. The doctor's appointment is in half an hour. They have to leave soon. The cabbage was cooking when she got there. This is what she knows about her grandmother. She was a pilot in the war. She has diabetes, which she was born with, and a limp, which she wasn't. She prefers camels. She never had candy in her purse. She never learned English. She likes the color blue. The sky outside is white and wide. Inside the apartment, the light bulb needs to be changed. A brown dimness lowers onto the table. Her thumb darts back to her inbox. There are no new emails. Years from now, she will write a list of reasons why she does not regret moving away for work, a series of bullet points on a sheet that will soften over weeks of being folded up and opened apart, moved between pockets under seasons that harden and melt around a city that does not move. Points that are code for other points. Where it says she learned how to use a software system that was quickly gaining traction in her industry, that will mean it is okay that she was not there for her old roommate's gallery showing because she learned to use a software system that was quickly gaining traction in her industry. Where it says she was able to meet luminaries in her field and add them to her resume as references, that will mean it is okay that she missed her sister's graduation from her master's program because she was able to meet luminaries in her field and add them to her resume as references. Where it says she got to see those unique landmarks in her new city that everyone kept telling her were so cool in person, that will mean it is okay that she had to decline creating a painting for the underground feminist art collective back home for their spring show because she got to see those unique landmarks in her new city that everyone kept telling her were so cool in person. The light bulb above the table dies. She goes onto the balcony. The sun is bright and high. Her grandmother is holding a small cup of tea in one hand, long since cold. Years from now, when her building is raised, she will have forgotten the cup in a cabinet, and its crushed ceramic will be lifted into the curved palm of an ex ex excavator, among other materials, and poured onto a landfill miles away from here, out in the blinking corner of a poorer suburb near the, near the port, a rolling mud-colored somewhere that once grew trees, centuries before. Baba, she says, and the word sounds flatter than it used to when she said it as a child, when her grandmother would babysit, perched on the back porch with a cigarette, smoke as soft as roses, curling slow through her fingers as she watched them chasing the dogs around the yard, their animal sounds hollow in the wind, the sharp green smell of overgrowth, her sister barefoot in her pink swimsuit. This is what she will learn about her grandmother after the funeral. When she was in school, she had written letters to a female friend that she never sent, but kept in a journal. Letters that confessed the details of certain exciting fears of compulsions that could not be identified. She had left home for a year and returned only when her father fell sick. She had married a month later, had kids. The cabbage is ready and we have to get going to the doctor. She says these words in her grandmother's language and that's how they feel forming out from her teeth, like they are not hers, like she cannot remember how to construct them, soft at the sides and sharp in the middle when they should be the opposite, square where they should be round. She has been noticing shapes recently. Her grandmother's building is part of a series of buildings that loop around a series of concrete courtyards, rectangles holding smaller rectangles that grow out of circles, measured and exact. She clicks the home button on her phone again, a reflex, a circle at the bottom of a rectangle. She thinks about what shape it would make if she threw it off the balcony. She has spent the past week saying goodbye to her friends and packing her apartment, shapes into boxes. Her friends have reassured her that she cannot say no to this opportunity. Her boyfriend has promised that everything will work out. He will come visit soon. Eight months after she moves, he will have packed up his apartment and moved in with his new girlfriend. He will put photos up on the internet. People will click buttons indicating their support of this decision. She will add another bullet point to her list. 
Her grandmother coughs and sips her cold tea. You know what the problem is, she says in her language, and the words of fast silver sounds in her mouth. She does not wait for an answer. She has it already. Back home, when I was young, when you would say you were unhappy, people would say, but you're getting by. Here, today, when you say you're getting by, people ask, but are you happy? That was Nadia Prupis reading a fiction piece entitled Baba at an Interloop event. And that's a perfect example of home in writing. I know. I love all the details, especially the cabbage, how it, yeah, where it comes definitely. back. Because cabbage has that particular smell. That when smell, it's especially out. if it's in like a, an apartment building. There's Ugh. something very weird <laughs> <laughs> about that. I also really liked the um, the shape upon shape upon shape. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm way of uh, nestling things. Yeah, and also um, how she kept coming back to the home button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, like, oh, fun, okay. But, totally, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was like a more conventional mm-hmm. grandma's home. Um, why don't we hear a few um, unconventional ideas of home? Alright. <laughs> Uh, Thanks to Courtney and Rachel for having me read. Um, I'm going to read something short from my perpetually in-progress novel. Uh, So I'll give you a really brief background. Uh, The story has a kind of sci-fi premise. Uh, It takes place on a ship on a long journey from Earth to the next habitable planet. Um, But there aren't any warp drives or hyperdrives or anything in this story, so uh, the journey takes hundreds and hundreds of years. And the ship is basically a small, self-sustaining town in space. And uh, many generations of people are born and die along the way. Um, And the book is mostly about these people in the middle um, and how they make a life for themselves. So uh, in this section, I'm um, going to read a short part where uh, people are kind of reminiscing and mythologizing about uh, their founder, who was the first person who Uh, champion this idea to actually make the journey in the first place. His name was Noboru Tsukimura. Tsuki meaning moon, Mura meaning village, Noboru meaning ascend. So ascent to moon village. What better name could exist for our founder? Here we see young Noboru, age seven, both fists gripping crayons and swirling together yellow and orange light into the shapes of distant fiery stars. He switches to greens and blues and adds planets in orbit. He holds up his finished picture and frowns, still not quite right, he thinks, already the perfectionist. And he casts aside the paper to the sea of half-finished pages on the tatami mat floor of his childhood home. He had only just heard the news. His parents seem very excited. They stare at the sky. It's all they can talk about, in whispers, in excited bursts, over coffee, over wine. Noboru doesn't really understand everything they are saying, but he feels the excitement, too. It's everywhere, it seems. In the dreamy, faraway look of the cashier at their market, in the knowing smiles shared by passing strangers in the street, even in the buzz of the summer cicadas in the tree by Noboru's home rising to a deafening pitch. There is life somewhere else, somewhere far away, and all Noboru wants to know is, when are we going? It is said he passed away while in his wheelchair, under blankets, 
just after he witnessed our ship clearing Earth orbit, though we know better. Our Noboru is still with us in the metal plating below our feet, in the garden plots he devised to grow our food, in the fiery star heart of our engines at the center of the ring, in the equations that plot our course, in the purpose we feel every morning upon waking, our Noboru is with us still. Thank you. Interior with sudden joy, Las Vegas, Nevada. Though we are young and poor, we're our far cry from needing to heed my father's cross-country moving advice. Take my camper and park it at some Walmart until you get your shit straight. <laughs> A uniformed man delivers our first bed. I peer at the peephole distorted figure of him. Suppose happiness waits like finish lines around every street corner, ubiquitous as escort flyers 12-year-olds binge on while waiting for a school bus. Instead of heat, we complain about the lack of sweet tea. What night takes, morning returns. We accrue what's ours, one item at a time, shower curtain, dishwashing liquid, found $5 poker chip. I ask questions for the sake of it, gratified each time someone answers. That was Daniel Knowlton reading from his novel in progress and Nicole Tong reading poetry from her book entitled How to Prove a Theory, published by Washington Writers Publishing House. And I just love how Dan uses folklore to engender this idea of home, since like all these people are out there in the middle of the space with nothing like holding them together. There's probably like not this sense of home, but they use like the legend of their founder. To, right. There's like no physical objects. They're literally in space. Right? <laughs> just floating there. Yeah. Um, so they use like, yeah, this word of mouth story mm -hmm. um, as a way of connecting. Yeah, and Nicole really gives you a sense of her experience living in Vegas through objects, alternatively. You right, know? yeah, the exact opposite. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, well, for more on how to convey home, stay tuned for those two special guests I mentioned earlier. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> gather. Gather, please. Um, you can gather in. Gather round, gather round for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. We're continuing our show on home, and in the spirit of that theme, Courtney and I would like to welcome to the show ourselves <laughs> welcome rachel welcome courtney it's great to be here <laughs> oh my god we're so stoked yeah <laughs> we're gonna go in depth on our homes and how to write about them um so each of us will share a clip from our home lives and then we'll talk about how we would write about that and what we hear so courtney do you mind if we start with you um i 
you don't no, have a choice. Sure I do. yeah, yeah, I don't. So, <laughs> so, so that's fine. Do you want to say anything before I hit play? Um, I guess. Uh, I for those of you who know me or know my work, um, a lot of it is very place based, ironically. Um, and I Courtney's a nature writer. I like to think of her as a nature <laughs> writer, even if she doesn't like to think of herself that way. Well, I, I, it's not always about nature, but environments in general and kind of the essence of spaces and places. Mm-hmm. So this is all relative. Um, and I have moved a lot, so I think. There are definitely certain things that I carry with me as little totems to create a sense of home, mm-hmm. but also it's about other things. So, yeah. Well, let's let's hear it. Great. So I recently moved into a new house, and um, I have housemates now, and I live on the lower level, which is great. It's lovely. Um, it's a big old house, but often in the mornings I will hear footsteps above me. So then once I'm up, um, I the, usually the first thing I do is let the dog out. When he was a puppy, I trained him to ring the bells on the door when he had to go out. And so in every home, I've, I've had um, the sound of bells on the door is, is always a sign that I'm, I'm home and in a home with dogs. So having a um, organized space where I feel comfortable and kind of zen um, has always been really important to me, regardless of where my home is. Um, I've also often lived in a lot of smaller spaces, and so it's really important for me for things to be in their place so that I can feel productive and and have a good energy. Um, So... It is a rare day when my bed is not made. Okay, so I would say um, one of the most defining things about home for me is the sound of dogs. Um, I grew up uh, with dogs uh, as a child, and so there were always always dog sounds in, in the house. And as an adult, I've had, I've, I've cohabitated with my dog Remy uh, for the past nine years. And so there are lots of sounds that that go along with that. Remy drinking, he drinks a ton, and also eating. The sound of his toes on the hardwood floor, and him like running around playing. And then also the jangle of his uh, bling on his collar. Um, I spent a lot of time in my childhood and adulthood growing up along the Jersey Shore. And so the sound of waves is ever ingrained in me. And finally, I mean, the real definition of home for me is wherever my family is. Hi, Court. Love you. Oh, I just gave Blue a carrot. He has it all over the rug, of course. <laughs> That's perfect. Ta-da! <laughs> it sounds so much better when, when you, like, morphed it all together. <laughs> 
So Rachel gave me homework for this month's <laughs> podcast, and, and I had to had to record things for you all. It sounded great. I love the footsteps. Bang, yeah, bang, I know. Bang, bang. <laughs> well, it was really funny because, like, in the mornings, I was like trying to record it, but I would like be half asleep, so I was doing it with my phone, and it wasn't coming through. Mm-hmm. So at one point, I was like, Shelly, do me a favor. Just like walk across Stop. the dining room. <laughs> She's like, "What?" I was like, "Just do it. Just do it." <laughs> um, yeah. So, my first impressions. I'm sure you have lots of ideas about how you would write about this because it's your own house. <laughs> it's your own experience. Um, but I was thinking about the small space idea, mm-hmm. and then of course the dog is such a huge <laughs> um, aspect, which I relate to because. Uh, I used to move around a lot and had a dog and she was like my... Yeah. Um, But I was thinking about one way to write about it to sort of express this idea that the dog is home without saying it would be to um, use like the different sounds of the dog, like marking different times of the day without like really saying it. Just like, you know... You know, you hear Remy jump out of bed, for example, and mm-hmm. then the clicking on the on the sound, the clicking sound, and then um, eating, and just like sort of marking the how the day is progressing. Progressing, sure. Um, and then using like echo, like the idea of the sound filling the space because it's always a small space. You were mentioning mm-hmm. um, to sort of give you that feeling like it's. He's not just like filling up your life. He's filling up the literally space that yeah as well yeah. It's like some of those are the ideas. <laughs> <what I had. laughs> Thanks. Maybe I'll have to try that out. <laughs> what were your thoughts on how you would write? Um, I actually really enjoyed this exercise because um, well we'll we'll get to it later. I'll talk a little more about how I have written about home in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were so many things that had a sound that I didn't realize. So I just, I, I, this newest space of mine, I'm living with two other people and that's new, but I was living alone for a long time and, and things are quite quiet mm-hmm. when you live by yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've told people I would go crazy if I didn't have the dog because it just breaks the silence. Totally. But then in listening to, Oh, what are all of the little things, you know, the dryer going, this, I, just was saying to Rachel the I never realized how loud it was to make a bed you know (laughs) and those things allow you to tell the stories of other things um so you know if if I were writing the essay or something why do I make why am I going to the trouble to make a bed for myself if I live here alone Mm -hmm. you know what is the point Mm -hmm. of that and then you can use that as an anchor to float off into to tell to give more information about you or the character or or whatever it may be and then come back in with absolutely like these mundane things that you realize you do day in and day out Mm -hmm. like brushing your teeth for example like hate doing why do i hate that i I get so angry about it i'm like resentful I'm like, I don't want to take the fucking time. To I'm brush just gonna my have teeth. to do this again tonight, and then again in the morning, and it never fucking ends. And I'm gonna go to the dentist and have to get cavities filled anyway. Oh so God, what so now? <laughs> and why haven't they come up with a fucking more ingenious way to take care of our teeth? Right? Than drilling into them with some fucking metal and brushing them with some fucking bristles. All right. Anyway, sorry, tangent. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> So maybe I need to explore toothbrushing a little bit. Well, but. actually, you could, you know, I work with a lot of anthropologists mm-hmm. and they love teeth because they tell you so much. 
Tita a wealth of information See, that I you wouldn't write think of. So this is what I'm saying. Yeah, you could enter into that with the toothbrushing. toothbrushing. That I hate. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great example of how you can take the mundane that seems just like it doesn't matter at all and really think about, okay, I do this every day. Like, what Why? is the meaning of this? Mm-hmm. Um, which is great. That's a great way to dig into that essence of home. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. you do that with the bed making, I think. Great. And yeah. And, yeah and I really, you know, I'm, I mentioned at the end for, I think, always the thing, even within a place, um, it's the people that fill that place that make it home to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also liked that your mom was over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that, you know, you could definitely play with that if you were writing. Like, right. That's tinny sound of her voice. Right. Or, um, the way just the voice sounds on speakerphone because I know you talk to your mom on speakerphone I a do, lot in I the do. car. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think you could really play with that and all the layers that the, are exactly, there. Exactly. The removal. Like exactly. It's like, well, we have all this technology that brings us closer, but, but not. But there's still, yes, yeah. this removal there. And is it good? Is it bad? What, you know, how does it, how is it echoed in your relationship? Right. Oh, God, so much. So- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need to start writing now. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. the point. So, yeah, um, yeah great. Great work. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Teach. <laughs> teach. Um, so why don't we hear um, yeah. how you have written about your home in the past? Because Courtney oh. and I are both transplants, so um, I thought it would be neat if we sort of compared and contrasted our current home lives with our sure. old home lives, in which we've both written about. Yeah. So what, so, have, what have you got for us? Is um, it about Jersey? This is about Jersey. Um, this is about the house that I grew up in. Um, which was a big old uh, Victorian in a small, um, like, you know, colonial town in New Jersey, which they exist, and it's really cute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) People hate on Jersey all the time. Um, But this was when um, my my family was selling the home. Um, So it was actually around the time that that you and I met. (laughs) Um, And I was going back to that house on weekends a lot too I think I may have heard you this may have heard one of our classes. <laughs> pieces of this at some point but it stuck with me because I remember <clears throat> you pulling out drawers is that part of it drawers um that's a different no that's a different that's piece a different actually okay. yeah anyway yep different piece right. um <laughs> no it's fine uh this one is called heart rot um and it's uh, I will give you just a little intro. it's centered around um this big old tree that used to be in the yard and it got what's called a, a disease, a, f- a fungal disease that's called heart rot in trees. Um, but, you know, there, there were lots of layers to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. My father stands under the kitchen skylight, batting at the ferns that hang from the ceiling. Behind him, in the butler's pantry, the vacuum is running without direction, siphoning air errantly from the space between the radiator and the island. Brown, crispy leaves and stringy fronds rain down around him, some catching in his hair and shirt collar. This is what we do now, on Saturday mornings. I wipe crumbs and rings of wine and use tea bags off the counter, shaking my head in amazement at the mess one person can make, while the Boston brogue of Cartalk's Magliozzi brothers, R.I.P., competes with the sucking vacuum. We are preparing for our showing. It has been five years and counting since the house I grew up in was put on the market, and at this point we are all stuck in limbo. My father partially here, my mother partially not. I left long ago without ever really leaving, 
and we just keep retracing our own footsteps on the polished pine floors. I look out of the window above the sink to the backyard and to the beech tree that is no longer there. I feel the ache of its absence when I don't see the low branch where a rope swing once hung. It was a sluggish decay. The swing branch went first, weakened by the weight, I suppose, a phantom limb. The beach stood sentinel in the winter, starkly illuminated, the spotlight from the cellar door making its thick ashen bark glisten in the snow like a naked tin soldier. I'm sure the new owners will be much happier with the grass that has grown where the beach once was. With it there, it was always too shaded and the tree's root system too deep for grass to grow, but now there is green all the way to the fence on the east side of the yard. So they will set sprinkler timers and fertilize regularly and see without obstruction straight across to the neighbor's yard, equally pristine and treeless. There are three pots of water set to a low simmer on the stove and my father is dumping cinnamon and nutmeg into all of them. Dad, isn't that a little excessive? He looks up. What? We try all of the realtor's tricks, take down family photos, clear away tchotchkes, limit the lace, set pots of cinnamon to boil. The smell makes me think of autumn, which is apropos. Despite the humidity and fresh batch of tomatoes I've just brought in, it is September already. No beech nuts this year for the dog to eat and get sick on. No burrs catching my bare feet off guard. Click and clack are telling someone how to fix a faulty choke on the 1997 Toyota Corolla, and I'm picturing picturing my mother standing behind the island working a slab of dough, flour smeared across her forehead where she's pushed the hair out of her eyes. The dough lodges into the basket of gold beneath the stone on her engagement ring, and the band, paper thin with age, is covered. As she rotates the pie plate, she squeezes the edges of the dough between her thumb and forefinger. The action is methodical and absent, as familiar to her fingers as breath to lungs. From my stool on the other side of the island, I watch as sliced Max and Cortlands tumble into the dish, and she sprinkles a sugary mixture on top of the apples. She smiles at me. The secret is in the nutmeg. I'll stop there. <laughs> That's a great stopping point. You know, nutmeg is a funny thing, okay? You can't put too much. It's, it's, <laughs> it's true. No, I love that. I, uh, yeah, that's a great example of using all five senses um, to convey a space. The smell and the um, feel and what you're looking at. Um and nutmeg just did some tasting <laughs> to me. Um, but no, the thing I noticed most was, I mean, I think my listeners understand now <laughs> what I meant by calling you a nature writer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but the tree, like from yeah. the very beginning, you have the dead leaves, uh, even though I know it's not the same tree. Right, right. But you have the dead, tr- uh, the dead leaves, and then you move to the limbs, and then the roots, and then you call it an obstruction. Um, and it's just gigantic absence because mm-hmm. it's not there and from decay. So um, that was an interesting way of carrying um, this theme throughout mm-hmm. um, setting the setting the place of home there. Yeah. Um, what I, I, I that was a piece that I was practicing a, a, t- a craft with actually, um, and very deliberately. It, as it goes on, I kind of move throughout the house that is now, there's there's layers to it. It was a big transition period. There was like skeleton feel to it kind of thing. Um, but I move throughout it as we're preparing for this showing and kind of pull a story, as I was talking before, out of each, an element in each of the rooms. 
Um, and a lot of them tie back to wood. So, for example, we had our heights marked in the door frame of one of the rooms mm-hmm. um, growing up. And that was like growth rings. And, and so mm-hmm. um, another one, there was a um, an old gun of my grandfather's that always leaned against the wall. And it's this, you know, heavy wooden barrel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's like, there's, there's a lot of, yeah. It layers. Ca- it carries so through. many layers. Yeah. Um, but the... <laughs> I have oh, a lot of... Oh, but the tree carries throughout the, the whole The tree story. carries throughout, yeah. and we come back to it at the end as well. Um, but I really had a lot of fun literally moving <laughs> through the space. I know I enunciated that weirdly. Um, <laughs> but moving through the space, bringing the reader with me through yeah. the space, but then getting to expand out to these other points and parts of my life and, and introduce new characters mm. through that. Like the limbs of a tree. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, no, that's great. Uh, that's all, that, that's, that's that's what awesome. I got. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Well, um, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what I, we've we've talked about me enough. Let's let's move on to Rachel. <laughs> Coming up next. guest joining us today (laughs) (laughs) no we we heard all about my home so now let's hear from rachel (laughs) what Um, do you got for us what have i got i have a symphony of sounds yeah you have a new-ish home also yes so uh you'll hear in the piece but i think like what i tried to do is really contrast my current situation with how things used to be because I especially before I met my partner I lived a very quiet life yes, you like did. you were talking about <laughs> I lived the quietest of lives <laughs> never watched TV um yeah I just yeah anyway so I remember staying in your place one time the your, the place before you yeah yeah um and it was so it was perfect it was so cozy but also just putting the record player on <laughs> felt <laughs> felt like you're intruding yes! on the space yes! I know. <laughs> cause it yeah mm-hmm. I, I lived a very quiet life and this is quite the opposite mm-hmm. what you're about to hear so <laughs> let's hear it ever since I had Jordan my life is filled with sound I wake up to Jordan crying And then it's a three-hour conversation until she goes down for her first nap. She plays for a couple of hours. She plays with her toys. I read her books. There was a loud cracking noise. Look out, cried Pooh. Mind the clock. Out of the way, Piglet. Help, cried Piglet. Pooh's side of the room. We dance. Hey, Siri. Jordan wants to dance. On it. We play chase. <laughs> and chat. 
until she gets tired and hungry. Then I feed her and put her to bed. Hi, baby bear. She takes two 90-minute naps a day, and you might think this would be my quiet time. But it's not. We always have a sound machine going in Jordan's room and in the hall while she sleeps. The bright side is that it feels like I live on the beach. Then I furiously get as many things done as possible in the 90 minutes she's asleep. Dishes. Cleaning. Tend to the dog and cat. Work. When Jordan wakes up, we start the three-hour conversation over again. Until my partner comes home and he joins in. <laughs> then it's time for Jordan's nighttime routine. The bath is her favorite part of the day. Then she gets a massage, nursing, and books. I sing her song and she's down for the night. Cue the ocean. My partner and I hang out and eat dinner. So how's your day? Good. And we usually watch TV before we pass out too. My life used to be filled with a lot of silence. Being a writer, I enjoyed sitting quietly for hours on end, just thinking or reading or writing. Now I have to get creative to find that time. The most quiet time I get in a day is when I strap Jordan to my chest and we take Loki for an hour walk along the Anacostia watershed. Jordan gets some quiet time and so do I. And I get the chance to share something with her that I love. I'm like tearing up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so hard because I know you guys. <laughs> I know, but but well, okay. So two things. One, you know, I I depended on you to put these packages of sound together, and I I used to do a lot more audio playing around with mm. than I do these days, and I love that, and I forget what a beautiful craft that in itself is. Totally. So even just you using all of these sounds in a short in a couple of minutes you mm -hmm. you create a story that's so alive um and i love that uh yeah i tried to convey that symphony of yes noises. yes and then the <laughs> silence at the end the moment and then the nature sound oh, and I was just like, okay <laughs> okay <laughs> um but it was really i think you created this sense of intimacy mm. even for someone who knows you it's like you let in to another level another layer of your life mm -hmm. through those sounds which again like as we've kind of talked about is i think you're right is like underrated yeah so underrated <laughs> which is why we really focus on the word out loud at our series you should come by <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm sorry um 
Also, Jordan has a lot to say. She <laughs> does. We were over at our friend's house last night, and they were like, they have a baby the exact same age. Uh-huh. And they like looked at Jordan like she was crazy because she was like, blah, 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 blah. and they so, were like, I love that because I feel like you could write an entire story about what is she saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or or what you think she's saying, or, you know, or even fictional, whatever. I think that's a great entree into a whole other world. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like the one-sided conversations we have. (laughs) I think that, yeah, I think that would be a great uh, way to incorporate her just constant prattle. Um, because like I'll be talking to her and she'll like battle, babble back and then I'll just like create conversation. So I think it could be um, a fun way to sort of have a meditation on the page. Absolutely. But using like that background babble. You know, right. Like what is it that's coming through your mind? Because as you said, you're creating that like she's not, you're not understanding her. She may well and probably is understanding a lot of what you're saying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but even still, it's like your chance to write a narrative. Mm-hmm. Within a narrative, mm-hmm. <laughs> get real meta. Anyway. <laughs> get so meta. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think it's clear that Rachel's current home is is, is a little different from how Every it used thing. to be. Uh, but um, I'm also a bit familiar with the place where you grew up, which is in Florida. And mm-hmm. so I think we were going to hear a piece from you about yeah, that. Yeah, I uh, um, I'm writing a memoir mm-hmm. about. Um, my I just did the <laughs> I'm writing a memoir about my uh, adolescence that's the word I'm looking for um and the heat is like a character yeah ooh, I like that um so yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna read an excerpt that okay makes that you know clear okay. cool At Subway, Lily orders the cold-cut trio, and I get turkey with extra lettuce. In fast food booths, Lily sits with one of her long legs folded into the seat and her back arrow straight. Her straight hair reaches the tabletop. Her big round eyes stand out from all the vertical lines like twin moons, like lit-up deer, like clearings in treetops. She uses her gnawed fingertip to pick and poke at her food as she eats it every bite. We always eat every bite. Afterwards, she escapes to the bathroom to pick the black pepper flakes out of her teeth. I wonder how she gets them out without nails. The tips of her fingers swell up around her nails like tiny pink pillows. Hey, you know that really cute skateboarder with dimples? I ask Lily when she gets back from the bathroom. Who? She asks. I don't know him that well. He's even older than Stephen, and he's not around that much. I don't know why. I was sitting in the living room the other day, staring out the big window, and he went by on his skateboard without a shirt on. He looked so hot. He had, like, a six-pack. Oh, really? Lily smiles wide. Yeah, and then the second time he went by in the other direction, he smiled and waved at me. It was totally awesome. Nice. You don't remember his name? I think it's Matt. Matt LeBlanc? (gasps) Lily inhales. Yeah, that's it, I say. Oh, my God. Lily exhales. What? I heard, Lily leans in over the table, that when he and his girlfriend have sex, she cuts his chest with a razor blade. What? I yell too loudly and then cover my mouth. Yep. Oh my God, I whisper, trying to envision this. How does that even work? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Lily says, getting up to leave. 
Weird, I say, following her. Back outside, I almost pass out from the heat. Heat thick in the air, heat baked into the gray sidewalks, black strips of road, colorless parking lots. Even the grass is cooking, its green aroma rising with the exhaust of cars. If I fainted, maybe my body would melt into the cement, filling its cracks with flesh, giving its grayness color, my red hair a basket weave of saffron. I close my eyes and sway with the rippling heat, rising into that endless sky, miles and miles of sky pushing down on us, each layer of pressure more hot than the last. Lily takes my arm and I open my eyes. I take in a heavy breath and walk. When she grips her stubby fingers around my elbow, I could lead her anywhere. Ta-da! <laughs> Ta-da! Sorry, I was taking notes. That's okay. <laughs> I was like, all right. What are we going to say here? Um, well, I mean, I... Again, like, I'm so biased. Like, I... I <laughs> so biased. And because I've heard, like, other parts and stitches of this story. And so, right. like, I, I like every time I hear a new one, I'm like, ooh, it's, like, filling in more. <laughs> like, I love it. So, everyone, be on the lookout for when Rachel gets this thing out there because it's worth reading. Oh um, but a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, well, one, we go back to exactly what we were talking about earlier where like I'm not from the south if I were to talk about it it would sound false but you using the heat like so many people point to how hot it is <laughs> you know like even yeah I yes it's like that oppressive heavy like crushing on your body but even this is done in such a different cool way <laughs> because we've met we have your sense of personality a little bit mm -hmm. and then it's almost like that is taken heightened when you're out in the heat and so you you i don't know i like how that transforms you guys mm -hmm. um and how you could see it transforming other things as the story goes on right one and two it was actually a little thing that i wasn't expecting <laughs> um but the looking out the window, right? Which I know is intentional, <laughs> um, but that in itself is literally a great frame and one that, like, you know, we make fun of. It's like, oh yeah, it's so obvious, but mm -hmm. I think it could be really useful, especially when you're starting to put pieces of something together. Mm -hmm. um, totally. Or the looking at framed things, framed objects, like those. Those things are very real um, tools for mm -hmm. writers, I think. And it's just fucking hot, so you gotta be inside, dude. <laughs> yeah, also that. Yeah, exactly. So you're, like, looking out on the, like, missed opportunity. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the heat is supposed to be, like, a metaphor for mm -hmm. sexual tension. Oh, uh, yeah. Obviously. What? Really? What? <laughs> and you're at your teenagers, you know, oh, so God. it's, like, there's so much of it. Yeah. 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 So what were you... What were you hoping in that piece to convey about your home or yourself? Like, what was the essential part There's for you? so many, like, layers, like you were saying, um, in the piece of aspects of home. Like, for example, um, there there's this really deep description about my dad's, like, broken down car. Mm -hmm. um, but broken down cars were such a huge part of my life. <laughs> Our cars were always breaking down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, there and then there's this huge description about the house and the picture window um, mm -hmm. because it was like the nicest place we'd ever lived. <laughs> 
Um, so there was like a lot of um, layers of home, but the heat thing is what um, sort of keeps coming back up again mm-hmm. and again throughout the whole memoir. Um, and not just because it's just rife with metaphor, um, but also because like a huge aspect of living in Florida is how fucking hot it is. Like you just always talk about how hot it is every time I call my mother like you know the air conditioner is broken or you know um, it's winter and it got down to 50 degrees overnight and uh, (laughs) it's still 80 during the day you know Um, and also um, having moved away and going back Mm -hmm. um, it makes it all the more More stark especially because I go back for Christmas um, and you're like what? (laughs) (laughs) It's snowing here and I like to pack t-shirts and shorts to go home for Christmas Um, so it just is something that you know it is uh, overbearing and pervasive it just is so you have to figure out a way to write about that and to make it overbearing and pervasive pervasive in the writing without being again cliche or well yeah I mean doing it I and I think you do because I've heard other I can cheat um <laughs> <Not> cheating <laughs> uh with you know tensions building and anxieties building mm-hmm. and different situational things where it's like oh where things are hot here right now <laughs> and it's n- not temperature wise you know right. but that like comes back um yeah I think that's that's really awesome because that's such a that's not even like a like a like what is that as a character that's not even like a scent that's a what is, what is that it's feel the yeah, feel sense yeah right? i is guess it hot, is it cold is it, like, yeah yeah touch i guess yeah. um stick it in touch <laughs> that's awesome yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you guys for, for listening to us ramble on about our homes a little. Um, Letting us indulge in ourselves a little bit. We're just <laughs> prepping ourselves for, for going home for the holiday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, as you all may be as well and have some journeys to take uh, coming up this month and next, uh, stay tuned for a little laugh before the holidays. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this month's episode on home as you travel home for the holidays or off work and staying home with family. But before we let you go, one of our readers has some advice for some of you. (laughs) 21 clever ways to hide your budding homosexuality while you are home for the holidays this year. (laughs) The holiday season is rough for all of us between determining which relative will be the least polarizing to sit next to at Christmas Eve dinner and deciding just how emphatically your great should sound when asked how you've been this year, the last thing you want to do is focus on the fact that Jesus' mother isn't the only Mary around the tree this year. Here are 21 foolproof ways to convince your family you're still the same hetero you were six months ago before you moved away to the big city. One, while decorating the tree, suggest using ornaments purchased exclusively at Bass Pro Shop. Two, look disdainfully at the loaf of fruitcake your dad got from his clients as a holiday present. Not just how you would normally look at it, but really, really disapprovingly. Three, don't hug your mom. 
four, while out caroling with your family, aggressively sing, make the Yuletide straight, when singing, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Five, refer to all members of your family as bud, buddy, or this guy. Six, fart. Seven, anytime you stand next to a person of the same gender under the mistletoe, scream gross and then punch them directly in the throat. Eight, go to Starbucks with your friends from high school and tell the barista your name is Merry Christmas so they have to say it to you. Nine, when your grandpa starts crying to It's a Wonderful Life, loudly shout, what a pussy, while giving him the middle finger. Ten, while discussing politics, always side with your Uncle Frank, who lives alone in a one-bedroom apartment he refers to as the bachelor pad. Eleven, at Christmas Eve mask, periodically whisper, that's what she said under your breath while the priest is talking. Twelve, wink seductively at your prettiest second cousin from across the dinner table. Thirteen, before dinner, take a shot of scalding hot gravy and pawn your lisp off on your recently burnt tongue. Fourteen, anytime a mall Santa says ho, 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 interrupt him by saying ho, ho, ho's ain't loyal and then offer a knowing fist bump to the nearest stranger. Fifteen, when Aunt Lois puts on Barbara Streisand's Christmas album, smash the record player and play Prodigy Smack My Bitch Up at full volume instead. Sixteen, only cry when you're in the shower. Oh. Seventeen, tell everyone you got soap in your eye when they asked why it looks like you've been crying. Eighteen, respond that you're a very thorough soaper when they ask why you were in the shower for 38 minutes. Nineteen, leave your laptop open to a Google search for straight porn that straight people like to watch because they are definitely straight and I apparently guess they're really into it, sort of. (laughs) Twenty, claim temporary insanity when your mom points out that you have a missed call from someone in your phone called My Queer Dear. (laughs) Twenty-one, spend the rest of the day crying not in the shower but because your parents love you and aren't complete monsters since it's almost 2019 and people should just grow the hell up already and spread the actual meaning of the holidays, which is just to love one another, goddammit. Thank you. That was Garrett Schlichty reading at this month's Interloop event. And that's our show. We don't have an episode in December, but we'll be back in January for season two. To find out more about us or submit to read at our next event, please visit us online at www.theinnerlooplit.com. Today's episode was produced by moi, Rachel Goons. <laughs> our theme music is by Andrew Logan, and our technical manager is James Skinner. Oh, as manager now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or any other streaming site you use. Podcasts thrive on reviews like yours, so if you want to support the inner loop take the time to tell the world why you love us and don't forget to subscribe 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 so you never miss an episode happy writing right on and happy holidays happy holidays merry christmas cheers (laughs) cheers